Let's continue with key point number two. Not only does Satan use ridicule, he's going to use intimidation. Key point number two, intimidation is one of Satan's attacks to make you feel powerless. To make you feel powerless. Look with me, verses 7 through 10. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we're not able to rebuild the wall. You know, the city was surrounded on all sides by the enemies. When we look at where these people that are listed, when we look at where they were from, their geographical location, Sanballat and the Samaritans were to the north. Tobiah and the Ammonites were to the east. Geshem, the Arabs, were to the south. And the Ashdodites were to the west. They're listing people, they're listing their enemies, and they're, they're pointing out, we are surrounded on all sides. Intimidation seeks to make us feel powerless and often leads to discouragement. That's what Satan's after. If he can, in some way, if he can not only ridicule you, but then he can intimidate you, he can put a stop to the advancement of the kingdom of God. Look back at verse 10. Then Judah said, and now this is, this is not the person Judah. This is referring to people from throughout the land of Judah, people from that tribe. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. The idea here is that they kept saying this over and over, and, and there's this idea of intimidation uh, that they're experiencing. It reminded me of, of uh, Bristol. Bristol uh, was a few years older than I am, and he rode my school bus when I was in elementary school. Maybe you had a Bristol. Maybe you had a, a bully, someone who liked to intimidate you. Uh, it's crazy that I, here I am, as old as I am, and I still remember a bully and his name that I experienced on a school bus. Sometimes Cheryl and I call it the yellow nightmare. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, we, we experienced the, the, I experienced this bully in elementary school. Well, what was his purpose? Intimidation. I would get on the bus I would find my seat, and inevitably he would, he would make his way over to me, and he would flick my ear. And he would start with the, with the comments and start with the, the bullying, start with the little physical uh, intimidation tactics. Why would he do that? Why was he doing that? Well, it discourages us. It makes us feel powerless. 
It makes the bully feel like they have control, that they have power. A bully wants to make you feel like you can't do anything about the situation. That's what a bully wants to do. You can't stop me. And that feeling of powerlessness leads to discouragement. Think about those moments in a movie when the victim finally stands up to the bully. What do we do? Yes, we're so excited. Finally, that moment. I mean, think about it. Remember, I know this has taken us way back, 1985, the scene from, from Back to the Future. Okay, you've got this scene where, you know, they've been, they've been telling him, practicing, you know, all right, you've got to stand up to, to Biff, right? Biff is a bully. You've got to stand up to him. So they've got this whole scene where he has rehearsed, and he's going to tell him, you better get your hands off her, you know. And what happens? Finally, he musters up enough to do what? To swing around and put an end to the bully. And there's this moment of victory, right, where, yes, he finally stood up to them. There's something within us that wants to fight for that, that victim, the underdog. A bully wants to make you feel like you can't do anything. But the truth is, when you stand up against them, they're really not much themselves. And when Satan attacks, he wants us to feel inferior He wants us to feel insecure. He wants us to feel like we can't do anything. Because he knows that we have available to us as followers of God uh, uh, something that, that he doesn't have access to, the power of God himself. So where does that strength come from? How do we get that type of strength? How do we get the type of strength to stand up to the bully's intimidation tactics? Well, we we have to know God's Word. When we don't know that we have God's strength available to us, then we're going to feel defeated. We're going to feel like we can't do anything. We're going to feel powerless. And then we're going to be discouraged. But if we make sure that we spend time in God's Word that we know God's Word. When Satan comes along and he tries to intimidate you, you can say, get behind me, Satan, because I have a power in Christ, in Christ Jesus, that has already given me victory. So we have victory when we replace the lies of Satan with the truth of God's Word. When Satan lies to us and intimidates us and throws those attacks at us, it must be replaced with the truths of God's Word. It's not enough to just simply deny the lies. It's not enough to just simply reject the intimidation. We must replace it with the truth of God's Word. We have to stand firm on the truths of God's Word. Let's continue then with key point number three. Fear is one of Satan's attacks to make you feel uncertain. Fear is one of Satan's attacks to make you feel uncertain. Pick up, let's pick up at verse 11 and we'll read through verse 23. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. And so it was. 
when the Jews who dwelt near them came, that they told us ten times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Now this phrase, before we continue reading there, this phrase, they told us ten times, this is kind of like a, uh, it's a phrase to let us know that they kept hearing the same thing over and over and over. As a leader, you ever heard someone, you know, uh, come up to you and, and say the same thing, hey, there's, the, there's this problem that's going on, and then five minutes later, somebody else comes along to you and, and says, hey, I don't know if you heard, but there's this problem going on. Cheryl, have you ever experienced that as a principal in a school, you know, where somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I don't know if you know this, but hey, this is going on, and then five minutes later, someone else comes along and says, hey, I don't know if you know this, but there's a problem, this is going on, and you hear it ten times. We have a similar phrase where the Jewish people would use, they told us ten times. We use a phrase like this, if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times, right? That, that's our, our way. Is it saying that we heard it a thousand times? No. It's not to give us a literal number here. Its purpose is to say, look, everybody's repeating the same thing over and over and over. So what are they repeating? No matter where you turn, they're going to be upon us. No matter where you turn, they're going to be upon us. So they're, they're beginning to fear this attack. No matter where we turn, no matter what we do, they're going to they're come, they're gonna, no matter what we do. Therefore, I, Nehemiah, positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and it's extensive. We are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. You hear what is going on here? He's got a strategy. He's saying, listen, if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, we're going to have to have construction in one hand, we're going to keep building, and then we're going to fight the enemy with the other hand. So we labored in the work, and half of the men held spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. 
So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except to everyone took them off for washing. So Satan wants to confuse us. He wants to use things like rumors to create fear. And when we face a situation that creates fear in our hearts, we must remind ourselves again of the greatness of God. If we look at the problem through the lens of fear, I mean, think about this in, in, in like the lens of a glass, like glasses. If one lens is the lens of fear, and you're looking at the problem through that lens of fear, then we're going to fail. We're going we're to be defeat, defeated. But if we replace that lens of fear with a lens of faith, then we will see the glory of God and we'll experience victory through him. So when these armies then learned that Jerusalem was armed and ready and they had a plan, they backed off. If the work comes to a halt, each time a new rumor comes along, the work would never end. The work would never end. The solution is to be fully equipped. Look back at verse 17. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. One hand was used to build the kingdom of God while the other hand was used to hold a weapon to fight off the enemy. So my question for, for us this morning, what tools do you have in your hand? Know this, that Satan's, Satan's attacks are going to happen. But what tools do you have? One tool should be a tool that is building the kingdom of God. That should be one of the tools that you have. And the other tool is to fight off the enemy. So what tools do you have? If you're not sure, let me offer two suggestions. One would be God's word, the sword. Know God's word. Know God's word well. Because the better you know God's word, the better you're going to know God. And you're going to have victory. When the enemy fights, when the enemy comes along and he uses his tactics of intimidation, you'll say, no, greater is one who is in me than is who, he who is in the world. Where does that come from? God's word. And I can know that. And I can say, I can fight him off because of that. When he comes along and ridicules you, and he, and he is ridiculing you as a person, then you can say, no. I'm in Christ, and he is in me. Oh, where does that come from? Where does that knowledge come from? How do we find that assurance? It comes from knowing the word of God. So if you don't have that in your hand, get that one in your hand. Get the word of God in your hand so you can fight off the enemy. Then what belongs in the other hand? Well, the other one can be a number of different things. 
But oftentimes it boils down to where can you serve in the church? What can you do to help serve? What can you do to help build the kingdom of God? To not just sit back and let someone else build the wall, to not just sit back and let someone else do the work, but what can I do to have a sword in one hand and a tool of construction in the other? My recommendation is find a place to serve. But if those tactics are not discouraging enough, when you continue into chapter 5, Satan capitalizes on the opportunity to create more problems. And I alluded to this earlier, those problems begin to internalize because of selfishness. It's inevitable. It happens. Happens in churches all the time. Then chapter 6 shows that Satan's next tactic is to attack the leaders, to attack the leadership. And he begins to attack Nehemiah. All of those are important for us to know, to understand, because then and only then we can truly defeat. It's in reference to Satan that the Apostle Paul writes these words, for we are not ignorant of his devices. One last thought, and then we'll pray together. Of this we can be sure. If we desire to build and advance the kingdom of God, you must have the trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Be prepared. Let's pray.